Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The Match Ball. The podcast's brought to you by Levi Solicitors. If you want to get 10% off your legal fees, head to levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. I'm Dan Moylan. Hello. With me, Michael Normanson. Hello. And Moscow White. Daniel Chapman. Hello. Bless them. They came, they gave it a really good go. Then the Sheffield United from the Football League scored a goal at Ellen Road. So well done, lads, as you go back down the M1 uh, with another zero points from a game this season. They scored two goals at Elland Road. Phil Jagielka getting his, his required goal against Leeds, or for Leeds, or just with Leeds. I mean, seriously, though, that was slightly heavier weather than it needed to be. We should have put that one to bed a long time before uh, the final whistle. It wasn't like we ha- missed loads of really good chances. We missed. It felt like we missed loads of good chances to have good chances. Like There were bits where we were breaking and it just needed one better pass and it would have slotted us in and we'd have had three on two and it just never quite went right for those bits but we were still by far the better team like they didn't appear to have much going for them did they you can see why they're bang bottom of the league I think if you regard a football match as the idea is to establish which team is the better at playing football we were absolutely clearing away on that I think we were also measuring what we were seeing against the um, pre-match expectation of winning 20 goals to nil (laughs) Which were not unreasonable expectations, so well, it was understandable. We, we had 23 shots today, only eight on target, admittedly, but still. I would have taken 8 nil as well, and it did have that kind of pre-match feel about it, that it was just going to be um, shooting at ducks, which isn't a nice thing to do. But I think as well, the game started, we basically battered them for 10 minutes, then we scored, and it was like, okay, this is, this is how the game's going to go, probably score a goal every, every 10 or 11 minutes, that'll be absolutely fine, we'll just see this one through and we can really laugh at them. Then they scored a goal, which was more or less cheating, I would say. I don't know. I don't know why exactly, but it felt like they didn't deserve it. That's what that's what I mean by it. Yeah, there was no justice in it, so it should have been ruled out. Exactly. Well, they should have been down to ten players by that time. So that's but where the injustice let's, let's, comes in. Let's do that first. Then Baldock should have been sent off, shouldn't he? Surely. Yeah. Or at least should have at least he didn't even get a yellow card for it. That was the most ridiculous thing. It was a. It was a. I would say a red card. Certainly a borderline red card. And they've done this before, weren't our games against Sheffield United in the Championship? Their players were doing... It was him again. Re- it, was, it, was, yeah. it was him and McGoldrick always going over the ball, those two, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and unbelievable that they didn't get sent off. So you'd think now he's due, get his comeuppance. Well, be, um, he did go off with a head injury. That's true. Well, I mean, Tyler Roberts nearly went off with a severe leg injury with that kind of tackle, and there wasn't much conversation about that. They were, oh, we need to... Alan Shearer 
at half time was all about, you know, and we do need to look after players' heads to make sure concussion protocols are being followed. But we also need to look after players' legs yeah. and make sure that two-footed tackles aren't snapping them in half. So mm. We want to avoid broken heads, but we also want to avoid broken legs. Um, yeah, so he should have been off then, are we saying? 100% nailed on off or because you said borderline? Well, if... You don't want to see him, but because they're given, you, you want to see it. They're always giving us red cards, those things. And it's one of those that if it's given against us, I wouldn't complain about it whatsoever. I'd go. Because Tyler Roberts did do, do a somersault. I mean, that was a fair indication that he was out of control. I mean, the somersault was, a lot of it was him actually trying to get out of the way of it because he plays the ball and then he, he sort of keeps jumping to make sure that his feet aren't planted when 18 stone of Baldock comes crashing through him. They're all fat, by the way, their players. Did you notice that compared to ours? They all look really, really chunky. I, I, I don't want to comment on the... You you're a, you've got thyroid issues, Dan. We know this. <laughs> but they're all very they're all massive compared to our players, aren't they? It was noticeable. Um at full time they focused on a, a Sheffield United player sort of sitting on the pitch with his his head down on his arms and on his chins. Well you'd think initially that it's um that he's you know, he's upset because this is probably relegation confirmed now once and for all. But then he looked up and he realized there's no tears there, there's no upset, he's just absolutely fucked because he's had ninety minutes against Leeds. Yeah, and they will no doubt lose their next game um, because everybody does who plays Leeds, but then they'll just lose their next one anyway because they're rubbish and they're going down. But on the Bulldog thing, it's when you look at some of the things that did get cards where it's those little taps when somebody's running through, you know, you stop a breakaway on halfway and you get the old professional kind of take a booking for it. It's then very strange that there was all that time while he was on the floor for all the video referees in the world to look at that. Peter Walton could have phoned up and said, I've I've got an opinion on this if you want it because there was all plenty of... Peter um, Walton never has an opinion on anything. His opinion is what, the referee yeah. have made the right decision Well, there. there was time for him to go down to Stockley Park and tell them himself that he would agree with whatever decision they made. But then all that time and then just think, nah, do nothing. Not even a yellow card. Did he even get spoken to? I think the only conversation the referee had with, with him when he came back on was, oh, are you all right? Can you say okay? I don't, I don't, he couldn't. I don't, even, I don't even think he... They didn't look like he'd got a head injury from that either. bounced off the ground as he went over. And Billy Bremner once had that at Elland Road. When we played Celtic in the 1970 um, European Cup semi-final, and he uh, it took him 10 minutes to convince him to go off the pitch. And if you think how hard it is to get a player off the pitch with concussion now, think how bad Billy Bremner must have been for loads of people to be saying, fucking hell, you need to get... And that was from banging his head off the pitch. But um, after the match, they found him in Celtic's dressing room trying to order a taxi home. <laughs> he didn't Jesus. know where the fuck he was. But, there, you know, there is then a, a, something to be said about um, Bulldog coming back on for them to go through everything and say, oh, no, you're absolutely fine. We don't need to do a concussion substitution. Go and play. And then five minutes later, he's sitting down because he's fucking, he can't see anything. Idiots. That whole fucking Sheffield United club from top to bottom is run like an absolute shambles, isn't it? Yeah, it's good, isn't it? I think Bulldog- yeah, it's great. May have been suffering some mental scars from the first from the opening goal as well. When I described it, when we were watching it as embarrassingly easily. Rafinha went past him. He just he just looked the other way, and Baldock completely <laughs> fell for it. And he just he just wandered past him. Gave him the eyes, dropped the shoulder, easy, absolutely leisurely pace, crossed it in. And then as you as Harrison's putting in, you see Rafinha turn back towards the camera. Don't you? He's not even really celebrating. He's just like, sort yeah, of yeah, no, smiling to himself like this is. Ridiculous. When Rafinha assists on a goal like that, you want it to be something special. You want that bit of skill that you can watch on the replay and go like, wow, that was brilliant. But it's just, that was that was really fine. Like playing against a kid in a garden, wasn't it, the but, way he goes past him? Well, there, there, was, there were some funny moments from Rafinha today, weren't there, when he almost looked bored with his passing, you know, like, this is too easy. <laughs> yeah, I think that's Sheffield United's fault. He wasn't taking it seriously enough at points because 
the bomb, I think the one you're thinking of is when he did a big exaggerated swinging left leg in his own half because he just had the ball in so much space that it was like, well, what am I supposed to do here? I'm just going to have to pass it normally if I don't do something do something strange here. So I'll, I'll swing my leg like a big pendulum and, and <laughs> knock it square. Mind you, he did do that again later on and conceded possession, didn't he, after that initial kind of uh, leisurely swing of his leg. So it did he sort was, of knock was, him a little bit off 100% concentration. He was brilliant and sloppy in equal measure today was Rafinha. He did a few things where he just looked to be, he looked a bit too comfortable. It's the sort of thing you sort of don't mind him doing in training. Well, their goal. Well, it's yeah. The one, isn't it? I mean, that's all like that flick on halfway. Just don't do it. No, not at that point in the game. If no. you if it's two or three nil and there's a few minutes to go or whatever, fine. Even if it's two or three nil and there's a full game to go, it, more or less, it's fine to do it. But it was it was still in the balance. And I know we were by far the better team, but just just pass it square. Just pass it to Roberts. Yeah. It was there to be passed. And it's probably one of the ways that we are, the few, well, apart from set pieces, one of the few ways we are vulnerable is that man-marking thing means when we're attacking, everybody lets their markers go with the idea that we're going to be in their penalty area, so it's fine. So if we lose possession on halfway, it's have we got enough time for everybody to get back to their player before they score? And you could see when there was, you know, there's still half the pitch to go, but you could see the chaos. All our players were just all over the place and nobody knew what was going on by the time they um, they were in our penalty area and then you had Cooper's lost players and Llorente doesn't know who's behind him so he's jumping over the ball and it's all just and it's all because you know a simple pass on halfway to keep possession doesn't happen I mean people are kind of gloating about the fact that Rafinha costs less than Ollie McBurney which is great and true um the reason why he costs what he did is because of those little errors in judgment, isn't it? If he does execute the perfect pass every time and makes the right decision, then you are paying two, three times what we paid for him. So I've got a question. Why does Ollie McBurney cost what he cost? Because the English game's stupid. Okay. Um, and people are willing to chuck a lot of money around at mediocre players. Because he's shit, isn't he? He, was, he wasn't brilliant in the championship and good God. Imagine paying that much money for someone. Well, we were interested in him, weren't we, at one point? Yeah, for like a, a million quid when we were in the championship. We wouldn't have been mental enough to drop £20 million on him. Mind you, if we had got him for a million quid in the championship and brought him up, he'd probably be a lot better than he is now when they've paid a lot more for him. Why, just because I've been at least... Just Bielsa would have enough. sorted him out, wouldn't he? Yeah, but not our problem, is it? We're never going to have to play against him again, probably. And pull, so... your so- and pull your socks up as well. Yeah. Look, you look untidy on, well, t- on television. Pull them up as high as Rafinha's. <laughs> yeah. Rafinha's an eye. I'll get some suspenders on him. That's what I say. <laughs> Talk us through that. Just think it'd be nice if he had a little bit of so, a bit of lingerie to accompany his, his kit. If they're going to be that high up. It was I almost, think. and when he rolls his shorts up, they take on the appearance of French knickers, don't they? So was that doing it for you today? Very much so. <laughs> we can, the, well, I mean, the next season's kit has been leaked, apparently, hasn't yeah. it? So maybe there'll be a special chemise for Rafinha. <laughs> um we got a nice tour of the towns in the first half then. If you had the um, the Amazon commentary, Peter Drury, who is well known around these parts because he was at Radio Leeds some years uh, some years ago with Ali McCoist doing the co-commentary, which was it was fun, it was entertaining. And Peter Drury, uh, I think possibly, I mean, we, we always do heroes and villains. Let's get a little villainy nomination in for him because he suggested that the town of Wakefield might be split between Leeds and Sheffield United. It's not even slightly. I mean, I... I grew up in Wakefield and well at Harbury technically which is like between Osset and Wakefield and Osset were mentioned as well 
There is not, a, I don't think there was a single Sheffield United fan at my school, nor have I ever met any. There are only Sheffield United fans north of Barnsley who have got lost. Yeah, I don't know what he was on about there, to be perfectly honest. There's, once you get to Harbury and Osset, there's the odd Huddersfield town fan creeping in because you're sort of, you're drifting out towards the kind of mining museum, uh, no man's land over there the where, sort you, of where the, you are. You the, are the, it's the hill folk, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Once you get up into those those little backwards villages up there, you do get the odd Huddersfield town fan. But um, but yeah, Sheffield United, absolutely no chance. Mm, yeah, because they're terrible and they're going down and they'll have fewer fans next season because they're rubbish. Um, but yeah, that first goal for us, brilliant equaliser, not so brilliant. Um, for the own goal, I've put own goal, ha, 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 ha. Detailed. Yeah. I mean, what do you think of that? <laughs> it was a very nice ball from Tyler Roberts. It was, actually, yes. And his ball for the first goal shouldn't go underrated either. Um, it was the first goal, Stuart Dallas gets lots of credit for winning the ball back. But then when it goes to Roberts, that pass inside to Rafinha, it's just absolutely spot on. Yeah. And, you know, it's only passing it five yards or whatever, but spot on. And Rafinha had just before then tried to pass it five yards to Stuart Dallas and had given it to Sheffield United, which is why Stuart Dallas had to do the whole kind of scrabbling to get it back thing anyway. So good intervention from Tyler on that one. And then for the second one, that crossfield pass, there's nothing wrong with Tyler Roberts really. Is he should get an assist today because he's, he's like got two half assists, hasn't he? he? He's, getting, uh, he's getting fuck all statistically. <laughs> They're either ruled out by VAR or it's a it would go down as a um, key, key pass, key pass yeah. or a, a shot creation assist or fucking there's some mad stat that we can find and but nobody's once you're down to that level you don't get your, fancy uh, league points for it do you you don't and that's that's basically all that any clubs who might be interested in him in summer or if they're trying to decide if you should stay at least that's what they'll be looking at the fantasy league table <laughs> that's how they do it isn't it never mind why scout but if you can get that if you can get that clip out of that pass fine and he was good today and that was um and then Rafinha kind of helped uh make up for helping give them the goal in the in the first half with his, his ball into Jagielka, who finished with a plum. What I enjoyed about that most of all, I think, was the timing, because you imagine little Billy Casper there on the Sheffield United bench. He's gone into the dressing room at halftime. What would he have said to those players at halftime, do you think, little Billy Casper? Well, I'm a bit more quality with ball and uh, working out about ball and then uh, with the ball and, uh, and do it without ball. And that's go back <laughs> out there and a bit more quality. Do you think? Something like that. And oh, and they, I want my 100-year contract. Did you see he was offered a 100-year contract? For keeping them up, that was, wasn't it? Yeah, their owner went mad and said, uh, if he can win the next nine games and keep us up, I will give him a 100-year contract. Which, I know I wanted Leeds to win, but part of me did also want to see Paul Heckenbottom going into that office to claim his 100-year contract. Say, well, deal's a deal. Yeah, off contract law, it's verbal offer. Spitting on his hand and shaking it, even though it's a... a COVID secure environment but that's the the lack of I mean they can't do a concussion sub properly so don't tell me that Sheffield United's training ground is COVID secure Paul Leckenbottom's spitting in people's hands all the time and how, giving him a 100 year contract that he would probably I mean what is he now he's not going to live to be 140 well average life expectancy in Barnsley is around mid 50s isn't it so. but he should have a clause written in that the, the contract still stands after death so he passes to his estate no just him have to prop him up <laughs> like weekend anyway. at Bernie's just yeah. stick him in the desk anyway and a little tape recorder going at whip ball, out ball my great enjoyment ball, my great enjoyment of that ball. my great enjoyment of it was the fact that it happened just after half time and it tore up that uh, that half time team talk and chucked it in the air I would have liked as well if uh, Marcelo Bielsa had gone over after that goal and just gone you know how sometimes 
um, managers, if it's like 4 0 in stoppage time, will go over and go, oh, we'll do the handshake now. He'd done that after we'd scored the second goal. <laughs> it's kind of the outcome. That's that's why today became a little bit frustrating because that's the outcome. I think we were all hoping for that we'd be that far ahead that Bielsa could just kind of call a couple of lads off who were kind of, we'd take it down to eight players on our team and then just shake hands with Heckenbottom and fuck off. Bielsa, who will watch any match ever to, will stay up until the four in the morning watching finish Division 2, just goes, not interested in the rest of this. I think we're done. Are we done? If you lads play it out till full time, but instead to the wire. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What did you make of the second half? Was there a, a slight, almost end of season vibe to some of it? I felt we just overcomplicated it. We should have, if we'd have scored another, it could have got quite messy for them, I think. We could have probably scored another four or five, but whatever they were in it and they did have I mean they didn't have any good chances did they there were a couple of shots from the edge of the box that went slightly uncomfortably close to our goal but they didn't create anything and that, credit where it's due they had quite a few set pieces and we were pretty much fine on them today weren't we so, actually that was some of our best attacking play came from their set pieces like corners I kept thinking then sod it give them a corner give them a corner because we break away and nearly score every time we get a three on two every time it was annoying that they were still bothering to attack, actually. They should, could have just had the decency to just accept relegation and just allow us to score some more goals. So, yeah, that was a bit annoying, but who who cares, truthfully? Now we've now it's over. I think the vibe had a post-international break feel to it as well. And Bielsa did his press conference on Thursday lunchtime. He was saying that some players weren't back yet. They were expecting them that evening, so they would only have trained yesterday. And um, it does... You know, it, it changes the routine. Players had days off and, you know, Leeds players getting days off kind of, I wonder if, if they just suddenly, the the rates at which they deteriorate back into being the League One players that they used to be, whether that's, it then outpaces the speed at which they are then restored. So, um, yeah, coming back after a few weeks off, they looked a little bit like they were returning to football the way I felt 
returning to football. We're like, bloody hell, I haven't done this for a while. Yeah, the reason I asked about, you know, were they looking slightly absent-minded or distracted? Because um, famous podcaster Patrick Bamford was taken off after 65 minutes to be replaced by Rodrigo. He wasn't great, was he, today? Although that shot that he did when he uh, when it came across him and he volleyed it, that was nice. Just a shame that didn't go in. I really liked that. And yeah. he, had, he had the other chance as well, didn't he, where it was, a, in fairness, a very good tackle where the, was it Ampadu, mm. I think, managed to hook his leg around the back of Bamford and, and clear it. So he just didn't seem that involved, though, didn't Bamford? Normally he's, he kind of drops deep and he'll, he'll lay it off and then you'll see him running in behind and stuff. And he just didn't seem to get involved in that stuff today. But, but then did you th- do you think that maybe was because they were playing so deep and narrow as they seem to be? Because whenever our midfielders got it or it broke to us in midfield, we had so much space. And there was a point in that second half where we just like we were laughing at how easily they were, they were trying to pass out a defence and then it'd get to sort of midfield areas and then they'd just like mess up one of their passes and it'd go to one of our players again and we'd build another attack. And the number of players who had space to run into in that midfield. So maybe he just got crowded out a little bit. Yeah, the space was wide. And there was a point, I think, when you were laughing at the space was the first half and then you could see it was Jackie Harrison on the left in all the room in the world. But then in the middle, it was like every player except Melier was running into Sheffield United's penalty area in a big crowd. It was it was like watching, oh, actually it sounds like a cliche, but it is what it sounds like, schoolboy football or playground football, where there's just, everybody's crowding around each other and running in a big um, blob. What it actually reminds me of, and this is, I know it's Kez, but that's not what it reminds me of it, but there is a scene in Kez where Billy Casper's in a fight and all the kids in the school ground, hundreds of them come running out of the, from wherever they are in the school fields to this one fight. And it was like that. And Bamford's in the middle of it all, you know, and he doesn't want to be involved in all that rough stuff, does he? Leave me alone. Give me some room. Um, but then, and the other aspect of it is because Sheffield United have those three centre-backs. So we sort of try to put two up against them. So it's, it's not Bamford on his own in the middle. It's Bamford and someone else generally and players running in there to try and um, put the pressure on. And there was one, he, he had a big tantrum when I think it was Stuart Dallas, maybe, um, or probably Rafinha, it sounds more likely, ran in and took a shot on instead of feeding in Bamford. And I think there was just, as well as there being more defenders around him, there was more of our players around him than he's used to as well. So, um, yeah, he did get left out a little and bit. Maybe, maybe the sort of midfield areas being where the space existed, it's highlighted by the fact that Dallas ended up getting man of the match there. It wasn't a wing player, it wasn't a forwards. It was the the guy who was just the engine room in midfield. And he, he is consistently, in his own quiet way, brilliant every week is Dallas. What, what, a, what a career arc he's had. I, I love him to pieces. Were you um, thinking Rodrigo de Paul starts on the bench then next season? Well, he's not going to deplace, uh, uh, displace Stewie, is he? Yeah, he's brilliant again. Just brilliant every week. There's, it's almost quite boring to talk about Stuart Dallas because you just have to go, he's just good at everything, isn't he? Runs relentlessly, tackles really well. His decision-making is always really good yeah. as well, yeah. Runs, for, runs with the ball, progressive runs, all that sort of stuff that you want midfielders to do, does all of that. Good whip ball. Whip ball. Well yeah. ball. Ball, <laughs> exactly. Full, complete player. How could, how did Paul Heckenbottom have players like that at the club? And he's like, well, we, we need we need more quality. I just for some reason I put myself through um, at full time. I looked at a Paul Heckenbottom post match press conferences from when he was in charge of Leeds when we lost three nil to Wolves, and he was just his whole response was, well, shows where we are, doesn't it? Shows where we are. Oh, I'm inspired, Paul. Talk to me more. It really was very very boring. I have to say you had it on here, and I was drifting off. But when he had you know Stuart Dallas. All the things that Paul Heckenbottom talks about that he wants, which is, you know, 
working hard, that bit of quality, desire to win, whip ball without a ball, <laughs> mentality. It's all there. It was all there for him and he fucking, he had no clue. <laughs> anyway, I shouldn't get caught up on um, the hex too much. The other thing, um, you, the conversation moved past it, so I didn't get the chance to say it before. The vibe, you asked about the vibe and what was wrong. The other thing that was difficult about today was how much we had to play on the counter once we'd gone um, ahead. Th- those chances from corners that you were talking about was like, because Sheffield United were trying to get back in the game and making it so congested in the middle, that was our best chance of um, getting a goal once we were 2-1 up in the second half. And that's quite a difficult way of scoring. You could see that by the reactions of the players. When we broke from those corners, and there was that one when Rodrigo was perfectly placed in the middle and Jackie realised and he tried to play the pass and it went wrong. And the reaction of everyone was, ah, oh, just, just so close. It's, and there was lots of that where it's like, we're really yeah. close. And then sometimes when you get into their penalty area and you you just, they've just managed to get enough players back and it's all kind of chaotic and you can't quite find the right pass. It wasn't a day where you could be taking your time about building a nice move. And I mean, we don't normally do that anyway, but it was um, very helter-skelter trying to get those goals on them on breakaways and always just, they're quite, they're the ones that are going to be missed by inches. Eddie Taylor, actually, he stand up on Twitter, pointed out it felt like a, a half a yard day. That kind of thing that describes it well, doesn't it? Always the passes are just either half a yard short or wide or not quite, connecting as we want to which is an international break thing as well I mean Calvin Phillips has been fucking listening to Gareth Southgate for two weeks comes back on Thursday or Friday and he's got to get back into actually playing good football mode so in fact I was going to bring I was going to bring him up next and say doesn't he look like a different player when he's got players around him who all know what the plan is and make themselves available for him you know no surprises with England that well he's only ever passing backwards well he's only ever got options backwards Whereas today, there were a lot more progressive moments where he's able to play through the lines and look for the two men out wide. Uh, just really basic stuff that Southgate doesn't do. Yeah, just like off Southgate, I'm, I'm only happy to do that. Um, yeah, it was decent again with Phillips today. I thought it was, he was, relative, he was relatively untroubled, I thought. that He didn't have an awful lot to handle in their midfield, did he? But he looked comfortable enough. He nearly put us ahead. Can't remember. Oh was, yeah, that shot didn't right he? Right. To the box, ran in, won the ball. Maybe had, that's maybe shot. maybe that's what Southgate's got him doing now. Be more attack minded. He's making him a better player. We've run with Thomas Christiansen tried playing him as a ten, didn't he? Yes. Um, any other standout performances for you today? Then who else was good? Urente was good at the back. He was good defensively, and he he had. We didn't talk about his role in the first goal either. He did some nice work over on the right hand side with it, which released. I think he did. He passed to Dallas in the first place. I can't quite remember the order of it. But yeah. he, did, he did some good stuff. He did pop up on the right wing quite, on quite a few occasions, to be fair to the man. Yeah, I mean, he did get in the box and have a bit of a nosebleed later on in the game, didn't he? But he was very good today. And he's looking... There were less of his sort of crazy moments that we we were getting a bit used to, I think. We were like, OK, maybe maybe it's fine and he just does this. But it was always a bit disconcerting, whereas today he didn't, we didn't have any of those. To be fair, he was only up against Sheffield United, so you know, can you really judge anything from that? It is hard to judge. I mean, McGoldrick and McBurney is... Thoroughly championshipy, particularly when we look at the next three fixtures. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how he does with against some proper players. I guess he'll be fine. Won't but he? he's, he's not injured either, which is nice to see as well. Yes, it um, will be interesting. It would be nice. I mean, uh, did Cock play against City or Scum before? I think he was out. We, we were going with Cooper and Stroik in those matches. Whatever. It would be nice to see Urente in those against that kind of opposition. Anyway, and. I'm not proposing dropping Cooper, but 
I would have been interested if Cock was currently in the team to see how he got on in those matches and sort of have a um, a switch around from how we were at the start of the season and see where we are now. But Urente's involvement will be interesting, not in terms of like trying to find out is he good or is he shit, because I think he's good, but see how he does. Heroes and villains then, good or bad from today, some candidates for uh, for the show after Easter. I know he's been discussed and is probably on his way to becoming a hate figure, but let's remember Gianni this way, crawling around on the pitch yeah. underneath the man's testicles, <laughs> sort of handballing it, just ridiculous slapstick comedy. And also in the second half when the ball came to him, he had a, he had a shot the first time and it was kind of on and you could see where he'd taken it. Came back to him the second time, he was off balance. There was yeah. All, all no, you needed to do is put your foot around that and just lift it to the back post, just chip it, Gianni. There's but, players in the way, but he's Gianni, isn't he? And he can't, there's nothing he can do. Yeah. He, we're not going to change him. He'll he was, do what he does. He was objectively pretty bad <laughs> in lots of ways. But that, um, yeah, that thing, the, what I loved about him being... Is this hero or villain then? Sorry. I, th- I think probably hero, just as a... Maybe this will be the last time we get to properly laugh at him because it'll be less funny when he does it against this stuff against Scum and they put four past us. What I loved about him when he got pushed over and was kind of scrambling over the ball was to try and indicate to the linesman that he'd been fouled. He went, Ow! <laughs> If the, that hurts, which is very different from you hear now, the players who scream when they get fouled. I, th- I think Bernie might have done it or one of their other other players. It's like a very sincere kind of, ah! Whereas with Janny, it's just, ow, spelling it out, O-W, spells, ow. Yeah, stick to being a funny man, Janny. And- Although Alioski did nearly kill a man, though, didn't he? It was all that, when his elbow brushed that guy's face, was it Bogle's face? It looked yeah. completely innocuous. Was, was that a, a concussion sub as well? Yeah, and then Bogle went off. Laying it on a bit thick, I think he couldn't be asked being on anymore. He was like, he was doing the pretend staggery legs. He was kind of going, oh, oh no, I don't know who's Prime Minister, Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> let's, let's hope he's all right. Is that the concussion protocol? <laughs> Name the Prime Minister. How many footballers anyway? <laughs> Pat Bamford standing around going, oh, oh, I know that one. I know that one. It just looked weird though. He looked like he'd barely, it looked like his forearm had kind of touched his face a bit and then he was... It's seen what had gone on earlier with Baldock and thought, I'll have a piece of that. If he gets to go off, then I want to as well. Got a soft spot on his head like a newborn baby. <laughs> Do we want to nominate um, Kevin Friend as villain for his lack of VAR intervention with Baldock's red card? I mean, you can nominate him. You can nominate the actual ref as well, whatever his name was. Graham Scott, was it? Yeah. Because it was right. pretty bloody obvious that Tyler Roberts had been catapulted through the air. Like Everyone saw it, apart from him. Well, it depends, doesn't it, how the ref saw it at you know, full speed. No, well, that's why it doesn't, got... because there's VAR is there well, that's to tell him. That's what the point I was making, yeah. But the thing is, the play, goes, the play goes in one direction, Tyler Roberts goes up in the air, and he clearly hasn't got the ball. So you'd think as a bare minimum, he would book him. Yeah. I, could, I could accept a, an on-field referee missing it as a red card, because you might want to, particularly if you know you can have another look at it, you might you might think, well, I'll, you know, we, we'll, we'll have a little slow-mo of that and see, what's, um, see how intentional it was and where he's made contact and stuff. But to not, not even spot that as a booking is ridiculously bad. We will. Uh, I'm going to nominate as a hero the Welsh Rafinha as well. Who knows what went on in that hotel, but should be all forgotten after two key passes that nobody will give a fuck about <laughs> by Monday morning because they're not in the stats. There's no fantasy league points. He may as well not have fucking bothered, but thought he played well again. And um, he's another one. Conversely to Llorente, I suppose, where it's kind of like, how will our defence be against these really good teams with Urente in it I think there's probably if Tyler Roberts can take that confidence and that um, the way he played today 
into any of those three games and show something, it would be very, very interesting. Some credit to Melier as well for knowing the exact whereabouts and dimensions of his goal because he was quite happy to let like Brewster's shot fizz past the post when he dived for those other ones. He knew exactly what he was doing there, wasn't he? He had it all covered. That one, I think it was right at the start of injury time where he was backpedalling and he caught it and he was taking another step backwards and you thought he might just flop into his goal with it. He but, knew where he was. But he was fine. And he's, he's good, isn't he? Yeah. I've got a lot of confidence in him now. And the pre-match interview with his, uh, his baritone voice. That was quite erotic. You're talking, talking about um, Rafinha and his uh, and his lingerie. You want to just listen to uh, to Melier? Just... Oh, your lingerie just comes clean off once uh, Ilian st- starts talking. Um, I wrote down for the uh, the Brewster shots that it was a, a volley. Melier not asked, <laughs> and that's generally what it is. He didn't care whether he went in or not. It's like fuck it, I'm not bothering with that. I enjoyed Ali McCoy trying to talk up um, Brewster, and he said, "Well, they've certainly got enough goal threat on the pitch now." And you think. Well, statistically not true. He scored. He scored zero, hasn't he, this season? So yeah. and assists, same. Also zero. So, and he's not like Tyler Roberts, where it's all kind of hidden in the stats, and actually there's like the XG is really high and all this. There's nothing. There is nothing there from Rian Brewster. <laughs> they paid twenty three million pounds, was it, for abs- and got nothing. Too nothing. Much. They paid too much for him. I loved as well. Paul Heckebarton was saying, you know, oh, what he needs is he. He just needs an arm around him, and uh, we'll be working with him. Uh, off a ball well he did say yeah he's very good on ball we need to work on him without ball (laughs) and what's he done after two weeks working with him during the international break on bench and then bring him on and he's shit Uh, right we're just looking through the comments from um, from Bielsa and so on Uh, pleased with it Um, no great insights there you know what he's like. He just he's, he's nice to everyone, isn't Looking he? But Bielsa boring, and he no great insights on Forshaw's progress. Even in a positive moment for ten days, he needs to be measured in months. He hasn't played for two seasons, so to be able to play ninety minutes at a high competition, uh, there's a while to go. <laughs> Bless him. He's healthy. The, the rest of it, he's healthy, which is good news um, compared to how he has been. And he has two months left of the season. He's an important player. He could be. Uh, yeah, I mean, if it's a. If he saves us the transfer fee on Rodrigo de Paul, I think we'll be fuming, won't we? Why couldn't he stay injured for another three months until we signed him? Well, we'll catch up with you on Propaganda, where we will hear what you have been saying about Leeds United. If you are a TSB Plus subscriber, check your inbox as well, and we'll um, we'll send you the link to the form to give us uh, your thoughts on what we've been saying today. Feedback on this, and we will bring you whatever. If I don't know if they've got um, vlogs and stuff like that in Sheffield, have they? It's... I found, well, my mate pointed me in the direction of an American Sheffield United podcast. Jeez, that's niche, isn't it? Weird, yeah. That so is we'll, niche. Somebody's made some very strange life choices there, haven't they? Yeah, we will, um, we'll find out what they've been saying and bring that to you on the Propaganda podcast after the weekend and the normal main weekly show as well. So look out for that in your feed. We'll see you in a bit. The Match Ball. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.